I'm excited for this series. I've been excited for this series. Our team has been planning around it a little while. Uh, I want to know, though, before we even get started, because we're talking about fighting, we're talking about some competitive things. How many of you would say you're pretty competitive by show of hands? By round of applause, how many of you some competitive? If it's a fight, I'm going to win. If it's a competition, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slaughter everybody else. Uh, how many of you are sitting next to somebody who is super competitive and they didn't clap, they didn't raise your hand? By show of hands, by show of hands, now you can point at them. You can be like, listen, this person's a monster. That's true. That's, Aubrey? Are we talking about? Listen, unless, unless uh, Aubrey's like, uh, what is that movie? What's that movie? Glass? Uh, no, the other one. Split. She's got all the different personalities and one of them's crazy. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm a competitive person. Here's how you know that you're competitive and maybe that you're a little bit too competitive, like, kind of like me, is uh, if people absolutely hate playing Monopoly with you. How many of you are sitting next to somebody you hate playing Monopoly with? You, play, you hate playing any board game with them just because they take it so seriously. They're, they're just, they just go, they're like, I'm going to win. I'm going to crush you right now. You're like, yeah, but we could have some, you know, fun, competitive, friendly. No, I'm going to crush you. Here's how you, here's how you set, a, set a, uh, the, the sheep apart from the, uh, what is the saying? I don't know. Here's how you can know for sure. Um, when, when somebody, somebody else, not you, is playing Monopoly with you, and they run out of money, what do you do? They run out of money, what do you do? You loan them money? You rub it in their face, thank you very much! Give it up for Josiah! You won the thumb run, and you, you're a, a money lender? You, you help them out? How many of you guys are nice when you're playing Monopoly? Uh, or, or you bail people out? Listen, life is not going to be easy on you. It's just not. It's going to spit you. It's going to eat you up, chew you up, and, and spit you out. Um, how many of you guys are like, no, when they are running out of money, that is the perfect time to press your foot on their throat and put them out of their misery? Yeah. That's me. And people are like, Zach, you're being mean. I'm like, no, I want to win. I want to win. We're, this is a competition. Somebody's got to win. So somebody's like, listen, um, I'm out of money, but... You know, you could do me a favor. You, could you buy a park place for me? I'd be like, sure, for twenty dollars. I'm cutthroat when it comes to that game. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm competitive when it comes to everything. Uh, clap if you went to Camp at the Peak in Tennessee. In Tennessee, I loved Camp at the Peak in tw in, in Tennessee. I, we go to a different camp most every year. That was the one year we went to the same place twice. But at that camp, they had one of my favorite activities in the entire world. They had paintball. How many of you played paintball? Where's Hayden McClendon? I saw Hayden McClendon here. Hayden is a monster at paintball, and I really didn't like him. I had bitterness in my heart, and I was sitting against Hayden when we were playing paintball because he kept shooting the mess out of me, and I was like, ow, it hurts. I'm your youth pastor. You can't do that. We got really, really competitive, and my problem when it comes to paintball is I uh, live and, and breathe when I'm playing that game, as if it's like a scene from Saving Private Ryan, or, or We Were Soldiers. I'm like, let's go! Come on! Let's, as soon as they blow that horn, I'm like, I'm taking off. I'm out of there, right? And then I'm moving along, and, and, and then I look back, and some of my people are like, did the horn blow? Are we supposed to go now? Yes! Let's go! And there's bullets flying all around them, like, doom, 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 doom. and they're just like taking it. How many of you know people like this? How many of you are people like this? You're just chill. God bless you. You're so sweet. Um, me and Hayden would have destroyed you. We really would. It's probably a good thing that this camp doesn't have paintball that we're going to. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for camp at the beach, though. 
I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, make some noise for Camp at the Beach. You're gonna, stop it. No, really, make noise for Camp at the Beach because it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. God's going to do some incredible things. I'm looking forward to it. It's probably a good thing we don't have uh, paintball there. We're going to have to do plenty of other stuff. I just took that game way too seriously. I really did. Um, some of us, though, some of us in the room, the reason we're doing this series the reason that we're having a series called How to Win a Fight is because I really believe, just like those people playing paintball who kind of waltz around like, oh my gosh, oh God, they're shooting at me? I didn't even realize. Are we in a fight? Like they want to they wanna do me harm? Some of us walk around our daily lives and bullets are flying past us. Actually, the Bible uses the analogy flaming darts of the enemy or flaming arrows of the enemy. We're in a battle. The Bible actually uses the word war and we don't realize it. Are you, are you getting where I'm going? Are you getting where I'm going with this? If, you, if you're getting where I'm going, say, I got you. All right, 60% of you. I think about 60. Josh, you think about 60%? Maybe 65. We'll get the rest of them there as we move along. The Bible says, you know, and, and maybe you saw the name of the series, How to Win a Fight, and you got real excited because you were like, oh, sweet. My friend is such a good arguer, and I'm going to go to this series. I'm going to learn all the tools about how to just crush them in a debate. Or you're like, my parents... I never win an argument with my parents. This is not gonna, this series is not about how to win an argument with your parents. Um, this series is not about like physical altercations, you know. Some of you guys were like, how do I win a fight? I thought like Christians were, you know, like Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And that's true when it's talking about a brother or sister in Christ or another person. But let me tell you, when we're talking about the enemy, when we're talking about the devil, we don't pull any punches and we don't play any games. Somebody say amen. Not enough of you saying amen. Somebody say Amen. Okay, good, good. Now you're here. You're good. Listen, when we're talking about a fight, like the Bible talks about it like a fight. Listen, this is an example. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, For we, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. You know, like your skin, like the, 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 the tangible part of us that's here, and, and, and we can touch it, we can experience it. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Some of you are all like, Jesus is gangster. Like, Jesus is violent. What's the deal with this? Jesus is not gangster. This is the, but we are talking about what the Bible calls warfare. And I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to be cheap on you guys and, like, scoot another word in there. I mean, what he really means is disagreements or um, a, 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 a gentle disagreement. No, we're talking about a warfare. And some of you guys still don't get it. Let, let, let's talk about what this is talking about. Uh, when... Uh, when I looked up the, the analytical definition for the word warfare, this is what it says. It said it was a hostile encounter, a state of opposition, meaning to contend or strive violently with an adversary to carry on hostilities with the force of arms. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that spiritual warfare is a true thing. It says, like, our war, if you ever get in a place where you're like, oh, yeah, I, like, I just got to go to war, I just got I just got to beat uh, this other person that I disagree with, a brother in Christ that you just can't get along with, you don't see eye to eye, you got to realize right now, that person is not your enemy. That person is not your enemy. Uh, even in church, you might be like, I don't agree with the way that they're doing things here. Listen, the person you disagree with is not your enemy. The Bible says that our enemy is a real person called Satan, called the devil, and he has his own followers, his own angels. And we're going to talk about, over the next three weeks, we're going to discuss how to know your enemy we're gonna do, how many of you guys play football? You watch some game film every once in a while? We've got to learn how to know our enemy. We've got to learn to fight. And most importantly, we're going to study the, 
you know, that analytical definition uses the word the force of arms. We're going to take up arms. We're going to learn what are the weapons that God has given us to uh, carry on this battle, this fight that it says we're all in. I'm excited about this series. If you're excited, bless God, make some noise. I'm looking forward to opening. And here's the thing. Sometimes this is hard. I'm just going to shoot you straight. Asa makes it look easy. Pastor David makes it look easy when they put like a whole series together. I'm just like, wow, how did y'all do that? Listen, we're actually going to be all in one chapter this for, for three weeks. And when I first thought about that, I was like, we can't do that. We're going to run out of stuff to talk about. But I really don't believe that we are. Now, in fact, I'm worried we're not going to have enough time to talk about all of the things that uh, God is going to show us over these next couple of weeks. Um, here's the thing, though. We, we do series a lot. We'll do like a three-week series. Every once in a while, we've done a four-week series. But me and Asa, we don't even have that big of an attention span. So four weeks is about as long as we can go. But truth be told, to call this as a series isn't quite accurate. Uh, it's not really going to be a series. It's going to be a whole lot more like a big sermon that if we had an hour and a half to sit down and do like an hour and a half long sermon, that'd be great. But like I said, we don't have the attention span. So we're going to cut a big fat sermon up into three pieces. We're going to look at a big chunk of scripture. We're just going to chunk, uh, chunk it up over three weeks uh, in some bite-sized pieces, let it digest, and then come back. Here's the thing, though. Um, we're building each week. So if you're like, listen, I already know I'm not going to be here for that third week. I got something going on the second week. Um, me and my girlfriend, we got a date. Cancel your, cancel your date. Uh, if she said she got a problem with that, break up with your girlfriend. Um, you think I'm joking. Uh, listen, you need to be here, but if, if you fall deathly ill and there is absolutely nothing you can do to make sure that you are here to, you know, see the entire series, have this, you know, not series, an entire message, uh, then you need to go on YouTube, you need to look it up and watch the rest of it, all right? If you hear me, say, I hear you. If you're ready to jump in the words, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Hey, um, you got to listen fast tonight. You got to listen fast, okay? Um, We're going to answer two questions tonight. We're going to answer two questions. The first one is, what are we fighting? First question we're going to answer is, what are we fighting? The second question we're going to answer is, what's at stake, Right? And, and you might realize, Zach, you haven't, that doesn't sound like you're going to tell us how to actually do the fighting part, how to, listen, I'm ready to go punch somebody, I'm ready to charge hell with a damp water cloth, like, let's just go. We're going to get there. We're going to get there, but we've got to build this, okay? We've got to build it. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 10. Uh, we're going to throw that up on the screen. Last time I did this, I put the wrong translation up there. Say, bad, Zach. I'm so sorry. Uh, I think I got the translation right. I'm reading out the ESV. Uh, but read this with me, the first few verses at least, and then we'll stop and then we'll keep going and we'll stop and keep going. Verse 10 says, finally, say finally. finally. Say finally like, uh, like finally, Zach's almost done with this message. Somebody say amen. Oh, you actually want to hear me? That's, stop. The, oh, you guys kind of amen. Anyway, say finally like Paul's wrote in, written six chapters and it's finally coming to a close. Like, like when he says finally, he's wrapping up. Um, so if you got some free time, go, make some free time. Go back and read the rest of Ephesians because it's good stuff. But he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this verse right here is really cl- similar to the one I just read out of uh, 2 Corinthians. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic 
powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. He uses that word stand uh, several times in just those three verses and then he actually starts verse 14, which we're not going to get to tonight, with the word stand. And so I'm going to title this message, Stand. It's part one, but it's stand. If you like to take notes, you can jot that down. Maybe do some calligraphy at the top. Maybe, like, if you're more like me, you, like, start to write it out, and you realize you spelled stand wrong, and you're like, oh, my gosh. I wrote this in pen. I'm going to have to scribble it out. The OCD people in the room really identify with what I'm talking about. The title of the message is Stand. I want us to really look at this passage, and we're going to break it down a little bit. Uh, But the first thing that I want us to look at and maybe underline in your Bible, in verse 11, it says, we're supposed to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So that right, right away has identified our enemy, our adversary, the person that is kind of out to get us here. And I want us to understand, I want us, to, oh, first I'm going to spend like 30 seconds, I want to debunk some myths about the devil, about Satan. Because some of you guys are like, he's not real. He's like the boogeyman. Uh, you know, Jesus just loves everybody, and we're all going to end up in heaven one day. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, that would be fantastic, but the Bible says that we have a real enemy. Uh, uh, calls it says like a crouching lion who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, it's a bad dude, but he's not somebody that we have to necessarily be afraid of. Uh, in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, we get like a, a little bit of information about who the devil is. You can read about him in other places. But uh, things you need to understand, he is not equal with God. I'm, I'm debunking myths real quick. So if, if you're, if you're kind of zoning out, you're like, Zach, this sounds like too much information. Just hang with me. We're debunking myths. He's not equal with God, okay? He's, this is not a yin-yang like evil and good are equal and sometimes one overpowers the other. No, he's not equal in everything. He's inferior. He is in submission to God. He was created by God as one of his angels, and then he got too prideful. He was actually one of God's worship leaders in heaven. And then he got too prideful. He said, I don't want to praise God. I don't want to lead people in worshiping God. I want to lead people in worshiping me. He wanted to make it all about himself. He got prideful. Listen, if we're going to be successful in this battle, you got to put your pride aside. It can't be about you. It's got to be about reaching others, and I'll talk about that more in just a moment. But he was created by God. He's not equal with God. He's in submission and inferior to God. Um, he got you probably, I already said that, and so on and so forth. Uh, but a third of his angels were cast out with him and thrown down into earth. And so it talks about the schemes of the devil. A couple of another thing, another thing you need to know, um, I don't know, I don't believe somebody ever told me this, but somewhere in the back of my mind growing up, I thought the devil could read my mind. Just by a show of hands, nobody's judging. Anybody else ever thought that before? Anybody else? Come on, just be honest. Yeah, listen, I don't, nobody ever said that. Nobody ever said that in church. The devil is not God. He's not everywhere. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He can't read your mind. Somebody bless God, say hallelujah, because the devil's a loser. If you want to understand the devil really quickly, um, we don't need to, and I'm not saying you need to like read books and books of books about the devil. That's not, that's not healthy. But here's all you need to know. He is the opposite of Jesus. He's the opposite of God. Take something about God, flip it 180, and that is the devil. God is holy and sinless. Satan is wicked. He's filthy. And he wants you to be wicked and filthy just like him. 
God is life. The devil's a murderer. Seeks only to destroy. He he can't create anything. Only God can. God sets you free. Satan wants to enslave you. And he wants to enslave you with that sin that you're thinking of right now in the back of your mind that you can't get rid of, that is an addiction to you. You don't have to be a slave to it. God's already defeated it. We'll talk about that in a minute. God is truth. This is where you got to say amen. The devil is a liar. Not enough of you saying amen. God is victorious. Satan's a loser. Stand against the schemes of the devil. He uses that word stand so many times over and over and over again here. That's why we titled it stand. But I kind of I stopped there because I was like, wait a second. The Bible even calls us soldiers of God over and over and over again. Why are we just supposed to stand? Shouldn't we like, you know, charge the battlefield, climb up, jump over the moat, whatever we got to do, you know. I don't, I'm, I'm running out of analogies here, but why does he just tell us to stand? Here's the thing you need to understand. It actually says stand in the strength of his might. That's God's might. Here's what you need to understand. The devil has already been beaten. The devil has already been defeated. The enemy has already lost Jesus already destroyed him. In fact, in, in Colossians chapter 2, it says that Jesus flat out embarrassed the devil. In Colossians chapter 2, I think it's verse 14 or 15, he says, he's talking about the record of debt that stood against us. He says this, he set aside nailing it to the cross. And he says that he disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame when he triumphed over them in the resurrection. Jesus flat out embarrassed. He didn't, just, he didn't just, you know, beat the devil by a couple points. He embarrassed him. He put him to open shame, is what Paul says in Colossians. He's lost. And you're like, I want to fight. I want to get in there. Listen, it is not your job to do the vanquishing. You know what I'm saying? It is not your job to charge the hill with the sword. The Bible uses the word stand over and over again, I believe, for a reason. And I want us to look closely at what that means. So we're trying to understand what are we fighting? Who are we fighting? We're fighting the devil. We've understand who he is, who he's not. He's a liar, and he wants to trip you up and hold you back. But I also want us to understand what's at stake. You guys are listening so fast. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Seriously, seriously. I'm so proud. You guys listen so quick. Understand this, though. The devil wants to take you out of the fight. You're like, I don't, I'm, I'm, Zach, you're going too fast. I don't understand. I thought Jesus already beat him. What does it matter if he takes us out of the fight? Listen to this. God's victory is guaranteed, and the devil's death is certain. Say certain. It's a fact. It's already been written down. It's already been decided. The devil actually knows this already. It says, again, back, looking back at Revelation 12, it says, Watch out, inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows his time is short. So when God kicked the devil out of heaven, he, he said, you know, get down there and, and you, you just kind of squirm on earth for a few thousand years until I'm ready to come down and finish it once and for all. But he says, the writer of Revelation says, hey, you, watch out, be careful. You know what I'm saying when I say watch out? When I'm saying, uh, uh, he, actually, he actually uses the word whoa. Say whoa. whoa. Say whoa. whoa. It's not like whoa, like W-H-O-A. Is that, I don't know if that's technically a word, but it's 
W-O-E, like, oh man, it's about to get ugly. You better be careful. Beware. He says that because he understands that the devil, even though he is already lost, he is in the death throes, meaning he has nothing to lose, meaning he is saying, listen, I'm going to take as many of you with me as I can. That's why he has these schemes. It doesn't say, watch out because the devil's going to kill you and then you're going to die and go to hell. Listen, Jesus, when, if you're a follower of Christ, then your eternity is certain. Your eternity is already secure. You know what I'm saying? Are you following with me? It's a guarantee. It doesn't say, watch out, the devil's going to get you and, and drag you down. And down. It says, watch out for the schemes or the snares of the devil because the devil wants to trip you up. He wants to slow you down. He wants to entangle you. He wants to hinder your progress. He wants to distract you. He wants to slow you down in any way that he can. He wants to render you ineffective and inconsequential. The Bible says that you're a soldier of God. And we know that we read, we read passages like Matthew 28 where it says, Go into all nations, therefore baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are our marching orders. The devil would love for you to just sit this one out. The enemy would love for you to just be like, no, I'm good. That was optional. The devil would love for you to keep playing on your phone right now. I just had to say it. The devil would love for you to just be completely out of the fight and inconsequential. And he does this in three ways. If you're a note taker, uh, I want you to take some notes and jot this down. The devil tries to do this. He, he wants to render you ineffective and inconsequential in three ways. One, he wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your drive. He wants to destroy your testimony. He seeks to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. Let me tell you about a time when, uh, when I, I really felt like, oh, I'm under attack, and I'm kind of losing right now. I need to step it up. We had just baptized two people in collective. Oh, I'm trying to remember who it was now. Who was the last couple of people who got baptized at collective? Maybe you're even in here. I don't remember. Come on. You got, yeah, who got baptized with you? Dylan, who got baptized with Dylan? Jorge, Dylan, hey, let's bless God for them. Yes, seriously, taking that step of obedience, praise the Lord. That's how I should have been feeling. That's how I should have been feeling. But I left collective that night, packed up my stuff. We, we, we put all the stages away, and I was driving home. I felt miserable. I felt like literally like dark. And I went, what is going on? Like, I'm grumpy, I'm, I'm irritable, I'm not sick, but like I feel like I'm not happy at all. And I just, I, I, like I've never had this realization. Some of you guys are looking at me like, this sounds a little bit hokey pokey, Zach. This sounds a little, uh, hocus pocus. This doesn't sound real. I'm telling you, I had a moment of realization, I don't know if it's from the Lord, or I just stopped and went, I'm being oppressed. I'm just being, I'm under attack. And I, start, I just started praying. I was like, dear Lord, I pray that any spirit that's not of you would have to flee. I pray that only your spirit and your joy and your peace would be in me right now. And it was just like, the Lord was like, thanks for paying attention. Okay. You're, uh, uh, hello. I've been trying to tell you, you got to stand firm, Zachary. Listen, keep on reading with me. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your drive. He wants to take all of your motivation out away from you. He wants to be like, listen, you don't even really need I know there's like 7 billion people in the world. Most of them don't know Jesus, but you don't got to hurry. What's the hurry, right? You don't, there, there's, what's the rush? He wants to take away all of your motivation. And listen, I, I'm, I'm sad to say it, but sometimes he does this when he, um, when he kind of uh, breaks apart one of your, your role models in front of you. Somebody that you really look up to, 
you get a little bit closer to them. Maybe it was a pastor in your life. Maybe it was uh, even one of your parents, uh, a faith leader in your life. And you start getting a little closer and you're like, they're sinful, messed up, broken people just like I am. And that discourages you. And you're like, why even try? If if even so-and-so, they're like, you know, the spiritual Superman. And they messed up, like the devil even got that. No, the devil didn't get anybody. Listen, nobody's perfect, but the enemy would love to point instances like that out and say, see, why even try? He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your drive, and he wants to destroy your testimony. Listen, um, listen, this is where we're going to focus. You didn't have to call. I was just, I got too much energy, okay? I got too much energy. That's the only reason I'm clapping. Um, that's where we're going to spend most of our time over these next couple of weeks because the enemy would love to ensnare you, entangle you, slow you down, make you re- render you useless and ineffective for the gospel work. He would do that by destroying your testimony. I was talking to a good friend of mine who's, about to sp- who's considering stepping into uh, a ministry leadership role, and I said, here's what you need to realize. The moment that you do that, you put a target on your back. You put a big, fat bullseye on the back of your head because the more influence you have, the more people that you're leading, the bigger the dominoes fall when Satan takes you out. He would love to find something in your life that just destroys your testimony. And, and, it, and it, is, it is terrible. It's, it's awful. Uh, just a little while ago, uh, the Houston Chronicle newspaper in Houston came out with uh, something like 700 names of, of abuse Uh, pastors, youth leaders, volunteers in churches just like this one where somebody had lost control of a temptation and all of a sudden they were were in deep, nasty sin that totally disqualified them. Like they were were unfit to work in ministry ever again. I, I don't need to get into the details of it, but let's just say that no one would ever trust them around children again. And all of those things start with a tiny addiction. I can't stop this thing on my phone. I can't stop talking to that girl or that guy. That, and every time we do, it goes downhill. And there's this just one uh, substance or this one thing that I can't beat. Listen, the devil would love to destroy your testimony and make, make it such that nobody's ever going to follow you again. Nobody's ever going to listen to you again because they see what's happened in your life. We're going to talk about how to defend ourselves from that. We're going to talk about how to stand on God's truth and stand in his might. It says that, I'm com- I keep coming back to that, the very first verse that we looked at here. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of whose might? His might. Not yours. You're like, maybe some of you guys are even kind of freaking out. You're like, whoa, there's a, I didn't even know the devil was real and you're telling me he's out to get me? How am I going to, how am I going to, I don't know how to do this. Listen, you don't have to be a spiritual superhero to do this. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be, uh, you know, the, the most powerful uh, Christian that there ever was. You've got to stand in his strength, in God's strength. Because, because this is what it says. When, when the devil tries to take you out of the fight, we've got to resolve to stand in his truth. When the devil tries to take you out of the fight, you've got to stand in his truth. 
You've got to stand in his righteousness. When he wants to make you miserable, you have to stand in his peace. When he wants to make you doubt, you have to stand in the faith that he's given you. When he wants to just take you out, you have to stand in the promise of his salvation. When he says, listen, you're probably not even saved. You probably didn't even mean it that time that you got saved. That baptism was bogus, and we all know it. And when he whispers those lies, you've got you to answer him, and you have to stand in the promise of his salvation. And when, you have, when you're under attack, you got to stand in his spirit. You say, Zach, you haven't told me how to do that yet. I've been sitting here with my pen ready to go. What's the deal? When are you going to give us the goods on how to do that? Listen, I told you. One big sermon. One big sermon. We're going to be back next week and the week after. If, if you literally cannot make it, we're going to have it on YouTube. Go back and watch it. If you've got a friend who's going to be here next week and I missed it, listen, make them watch it on YouTube because this word from God is, listen, I don't think it's something we talk about in church a whole lot. I'm going to be honest. I think, I think a lot of times we're like, we don't want to weird people out. Listen, if you're here for the first time, you're here and maybe you're like, I'm not even a believer. I'm, I'm not even, I don't even believe in this God thing, so I definitely don't believe in the devil thing. Listen, I'm sorry for weirding you out. Can you forgive me? I'm sorry for weirding you out, but I cannot not address these parts of the Bible or else that, that's just malpractice is what it is. So we're going to continue to talk about these, this, and we're going to learn how to defend ourselves over the next couple of weeks. So you've got to come back. And we'll see you next week.